Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from sunny California, and now I'm living here in beautiful Beijing. Today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex Shu. I am proudly representing the northeast part of China, and I am speaking with Jason to everybody in Beijing today. We're in the same city. I'm still happy about it. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. So I wanted to talk about something that's near and dear to both of our hearts, and that is Beijing, actually. Yes, even though we love different parts of it. <laughs> I want to talk about the advantages of living in a megacity. Mm. But before we get to that, actually, I want to announce something. This will be the first show that I, or I guess the last show, first and last show. I'm going to announce this on, and it's not quite related, but I think it's, it's something I want our listeners to know because I'm really proud of it. Okay. What is it, Jason? I got my permanent residency <gasps> in China. I, I oh god we need to we need to make a bigger deal out of this <laughs> <laughs> so I can stay I I don't have to ever leave I can just keep staying here in China and as long as I want as long as I pay taxes and all those stuff you know can I give you a challenge can I give you like kind of an on the spot challenge this is the Pepsi challenge I don't like Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, Pepsi first, Cola. First off, I don't know why that's cha- that challenge's thing. I felt like if anyone did that challenge, if you knew what it what is, what was it? What was it? Well, actually, I don't know what it is. What is the Pepsi I challenge? Think you just chuck a whole bottle, not a can, or chuck a whole bottle Ew. of Coke or Pep- <laughs> Pepsi, Coke, the d- d- Sprite, whatever, and then you try to burp. I think. Oh. Um, I just watched a video of one of my favorite Broadway actors doing it, and I'm like, I really love you, but you you look a little mm, wow. <laughs> not smart doing that i didn't think that was going to be the challenge i thought it was going to be like drink pepsi and coke without with like a blindfold on and say which one's better and pepsi would be the one but i don't know i'm just making this stuff up in my head i guess you really don't know gen z (laughs) oh yeah i saw that crate challenge where they stand on like delivery crates and see how high they can stack them and stand on it and people are falling down breaking their necks and stuff i was like what is wrong with young people (laughs) my my generation we did dumb things but i don't think we did not enough to kill ourselves we did not <laughs> ingest like laundry detergent what is going on with the young people i, I really like, don't know anymore i think if you have nothing to do if you're younger you know listen to our show for an hour when you have time at least during the hour you're not gonna do anything like that to yourself <laughs> but no this is read the safety messages on the bottle kids okay so exactly go ahead, go ahead. I, the, the challenge i want to give you is because we've done episodes on living in bigger cities we've done episodes mm. talking about moving to china or even mm. permanently living in china yeah. now that you are a living example of mm. foreign expat being able to live in china forever is it it's forever basically right it's, it's, i have to re see people are confused and this is this is an issue people are like oh it's not permanent it's 10 years actually that's not correct after at the end of like nine and a half years i have to go apply for a new card but it's not the same application that's the same it's thing just, it's just renewing the card itself it's like the id card yeah, it's not exactly actually reapplying to be a permanent resident i'm a permanent resident just like a chinese person has to go and get a new exactly. id card yes. every 10 years yep. i have to go get a new residence card every 10 years but i am a permanent resident yes that is true oh you say you saying it so calmly i'm sure you're like jumping up and down 
we got the card. Actually, there's a video. It's already gone viral. <laughs> Go on Douyin and I don't know how many views it got now, but within one minute, it was like 3,000 views. Okay, we, can, we definitely have to track the numbers on that and see the, the current viewing numbers on that video because we need it. We're going to use that. We're going to use that to the max to promote this show. <laughs> but my challenge for Jason is now that you are a resident, a Chinese green card holder, or permanent resident card holder, and you live in a big city, um, what are some of the benefits or the changes that you can have as someone who 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 meets these two criteria? Oh, oh, that's a good question, actually. So some of the advantages are, you know, when you get on a train, a high-speed train here in China, or if I fly domestically, before I would use my passport, mm. which would take longer. So you all Chinese folks line up and you have your... <laughs> uh, just go tap. Yeah, you tap. You just like tap your card on a like a, a screen and it registers that you've arrived and that you're supposed to be there. And it, you go through the little queue and you can get on the train. Yeah. For the foreigners, we have to go to a special line where somebody has to open our passport and look at our passport and look at our face and then scan it. And the, yeah. it takes a little bit longer. It's not that much of an inconvenience. It takes like 10 seconds or something. It's, yeah, because... For us, it may take two seconds to tap, but we have to wait in line. <laughs> yeah. So, but now I, I'm no in. Line. I'm in your line because the uh, green card ID is the same. So now I just tap the thing and go through, and I'm in. I go through the queue like you guys do. I guess we have to explain a little bit about like taking the trains in China, just for our listeners who don't yeah, know. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Alex? So I, because this this conversation just happened yesterday. My coworkers, uh, who's Canadian, is going on a business trip to Shanghai and. And she she booked her ticket in the system with the company. And then she's like, OK, you have to tell me how can I go and get my ticket, my train ticket? Like, which window do I go to? What's the steps? And I'm like, you don't have to. There's no steps. You just make sure that you go to when you go through security check in the train station. And this is for um, uh, the bullet trains, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the really fast trains. HSR, high speed rail. Ooh, fancy names. I love it. Um, <laughs> you have to just go when you go through the security check. When you first get to the train station, you just make sure you go to the one uh, gate with a um, train station employee there. Show them your passport. They let you in. And then you look at your train information on your phone, find the gate, and you also find the gate with the uh, employee there. And you show the employee your passport. They help you scan it. And you go in and she's like, I don't need a physical ticket. I'm like, no, you don't need a physical ticket. So even for passport holders. Physical tickets. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who needs those? Tickets are for chumps. <laughs> <laughs> even for passport holders, it's pretty fast for like for me. Like when I travel with my boyfriend, I would think, oh, I have to take him here. It's really easy. Yeah, yeah. But if you good. have a Very Chinese good. ID card or like Jason, you have a permanent resident card of China. Mm. It That card is not a social security card or driver's license, which is literally just a piece of paper. Yeah. Um, it has whatever magnetic chips, something inside. I have never <laughs> cracked open an ID card to see what's inside, how it works. But we, when Chinese citizens go take the bullet trains, we just, when we pass the security check, we just tap our ID card on the machine. Um, and then it scans your face to make sure that it's the same card with the same person holding it. And then you pass and you go to the gate, you tap the card, your ID card. It has all of your train information on there. If you're on that train, you can go through. If not, there's probably some sort of um, 
uh, alarm that is going to remind you that this <laughs> is not the right train you're getting on, which happened to my friends uh, a couple weeks ago. Well, that's well. actually very convenient. It's like tells you don't board this train. You're going to regret this. <laughs> yeah. And so you really don't need any extra travel documents or tickets that you have to hold in case you forgot mm. or, you know, for God forbid you lost it and you're in the middle of your trip. And then there's a lot more. Oh, wait, wait, I can't say the more things. I have to let Jason say what's more that is going to be like really convenient for you with a permanent resident car from China now living in Beijing. Well, actually, I want to also talk about what you were talking about, because five years ago you did need a ticket. And I thought it was really amazing because I hadn't taken a train for like a couple of years. Mm. And then the last time Summer and my wife and we were in the train station coming from Wuhan to Beijing. She was like, oh, it's over there. And I was like, yeah, but don't we need to go to the kiosk and like get our tickets? And she's like, no. <laughs> And I was like, but how do they know what train we're on? And they're like, they know, Jason. And I was like, but how? And I was like, yeah, I was so I was scared that when the queue opened, because you have like 10 minutes to get on the train and the train leaves. Yeah. So if you're not on the train, the train's not waiting for you. So I was like, we need to make sure we get the tickets somewhere. She's like, calm down, Jason. Just stand here. And then, yeah, sure enough, they just like looked at my passport and scanned it. And they're like, yeah, go. Yeah. And then that was it. And there was no ticket. And the, the ticket part has been removed. So it was, I was actually kind of, it was uncomfortable for me <laughs> not having a ticket because I felt like we were going to get in trouble or something. But now that <laughs> oh, I know that oh, it's just Jason. linked to your ID, like, so yeah, for, for the difference between before and now for me, it's like, I can go to the short queues or the the same queue as you because the queue for the passport folks is the same queue for like elderly and people or who are confused yes. and who like need extra. And, and so you're like standing behind people who take <laughs> who are wonderful people, but take longer than everyone else because they all have some very confusing question about can they take their like whatever with them or something or like where my where does my wheelchair go and all this it's a, it's longer it's always be, been before yeah my wife standing on the other side of the the gate and waiting for me impatiently while i have to stand in this longer confusing line <laughs> <laughs> you're like i don't need assistance i know where to go i just don't have the right card yes yeah, so, but now i can just go through so that's really Ooh, cool that's really cool okay i have uh, let me ask questions then sure kind of comes back to our mm. topic today living in big cities i don't know how often do you have to go to the mm. banks mm. before it's supposed to be every time you get a new visa but really it is not the banks actually don't care so what it turns out is like anytime you switch passports you need to go update your passport number but what's cool about becoming a permanent resident is once i have my resident number mm. that resident number will be the same forever we haven't actually gone and changed anything but once we go to the banks and change over to the resident number which is a, the same as like a chinese mm. number very similar so once it's switched over at the bank then it's just that way forever yeah and i don't actually have to go and adjust something every few years for like a number change because there's no change and can you use the card on the on the machines? Have you have you done those things? What what do I machine? <laughs> when I moved back to China in 2018, and I've always mm. I lived in Beijing, like my social life, my adult life was all in Beijing. You know, even though I'm from the mm. Northeast, I was only a very innocent student in Changchun. In I didn't do a lot of like going out or setting things up for myself as an adult. Mm. And when I moved back in 2018 from the United States, I went to Bank of China to open an account. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to go to the window 
like you would in every other bank, any other bank mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the world. And then the lady goes, do you just need to open an account? I was like, yeah. And the lady goes, oh, here, come to this machine. And there's this machine with a giant touch screen on it. I've uh, seen those machines. Oh, my God. You could open an account. You could wire money. You could change the level of your card. Like if you want, if you have two cards and you want one to be premium one, the other to be premium two, you can switch it. Basically, all of the usual daily needs that you need to do in a bank can be mm. performed on that machine, except for I think that machine mm. only accepts Chinese ID card and you only need uh. to put it on that little sensing censoring area. And then it reads all the information and it tells you what you have and you just tap, 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 boop, boop, boop. And then sometimes they take a picture of you again to make sure that it's the same person holding yeah, the ID card. Do you know? I think you should find out whether you could do that as well. It feels really good. Well, I've got it memorized now. It's three taps and three boops. <laughs> <laughs> I will not be held responsible for any inappropriate <laughs> operation on the machine when Jason goes to the bank. <laughs> Next thing that's really convenient is uh, basically I don't have to get a new visa every year. So one of the things is like this is probably the most convenient thing. Mm. If you if I previously was at a job that was not that I didn't like, I could not just leave that job because the visa is linked to your employer and your employer gets your visa for you and they're their sponsor for you yeah so your visa if you change jobs to any kind of other job then your visa has to change and you sometimes employers are like oh we're not going to let you do that and so it becomes a big see the thing about being a permanent resident i'm like (laughs) you now and so if I'm like, I will, quit. I don't like working here. I can just quit. Yeah, I can just quit and leave. I mean, I, I love my current <laughs> job and want everyone who, working at my current job. Who here's this giving an example of what you could do right now. I'm under contract and I cannot take jobs with other companies. But in the future, if I were to say work as a university lecturer, I could also open my own business teaching kids English mm. by the hour or whatever. I could do whatever I could open my own as long as I did everything legally. Yeah, I can have as many kinds of jobs at the same time as long as those contracts allowed it i could so this increases employment opportunities and if you if say like i get into a phd which i've not applied for i'm so happy with my current job but if i were to apply for a phd i don't need to switch my visa yeah. to become a student visa and then go attend the university i could literally be getting a master's degree at the same time that i'm working at another place mm. and i don't have to change any visa stuff ever again ever my passport doesn't have a new visa page that i will be using Using in the People's Republic of China. Mm. It will just be the way it is now forever. Because I don't plan on really leaving China to live somewhere else. So just maybe travel or in the future. And let's make this one thing clear. It's not the the way to getting a, a permanent resident card, resident status for China isn't that you have to live in a big city in China, right? You can live anywhere. You're right. Are you an avid storyteller or a big fan of podcast? For the CGTN Podcast Festival, we welcome your voice and your story about China. Whether it is about Confucius, Peking Opera, Kung Fu, Chinatown, Peking Duck, or other delicious Chinese food, share your encounter with Chinese culture in your own words. Send your audio or video file to podcast at cri.com.cn before the end of November. For more information and details, you can log on radio.cgtn.com slash podfast. Your ideas will inspire many more from across the globe. You're listening to The Bridge. 
Okay, so actually, I'm going to throw some statistics out. I looked up so many statistics. I found this um, article that was published very recently. Mm. It talks about the top 10 largest cities in the world. It says, from USA Today, written by Anna Kaufman, what is the world's most populous city, top 10 most populous cities in the world, U.S. ranked? Mm. And what's interesting, so firstly, they they say Tokyo is the number one city in the world in terms of population, which is true. Yeah. But what's really interesting is they use this list uh, that is provided by Statista, which is one of my favorite websites. I love going to Statista. <laughs> I am a super nerd when it comes to statistics yeah. and graphs and charts. It's a great way to learn things. But it lists Beijing as number nine. In terms of the most populous cities in the world, and in, uh, Shanghai uh, is number three. There are no American cities on this list. <laughs> so I, I'm sorry, New Yorkers and Angelinos, this is not your list. Your big cities, not big enough. But this is also about the the amount of people that live in a city, you know, within a like highest, uh, I guess, uh, population density as well. Actually, this is wrong. Statistics, I looked at their data. It's a little outdated. And so uh, there's actually, another website called macrotrends.net cities mm. and they, they have the city populations that are up to date and this is from 2022 yeah that's that's this year <laughs> and it says the population of beijing is 21,333,000 which according to the same article that i was reading and in mm. uh, trump's statistas data in terms of timeliness mm. that makes beijing the sixth most populous city in the world. So hmm. if you really dig in and do your research, USA Today, you'd find out that your information needs to be updated. But I'm not trying to pick on you, USA Today. On I have no grudge against you. Thank you for providing this very timely article. <laughs> but, you know, Alex, you and I have chatted about this before, and you think that the population of Beijing might actually be larger. Is that right? I mean, it's it, it has that attraction, and that attraction is not because something is happening in Beijing. It's just because it's Beijing. And there are a lot of people that I imagine that this number is taken out of the registered residence mm-hmm. um, amount. But I think there are a lot mm-hmm. of people who come here because I, I would think when we talk about the amount of people that live in New York, you would count people who are here on a semi-permanent business trips. Right. You would think like people who are here for, mm. you know, three months to every five months, they, they stay in New York for three months and they leave for two months and they come back for another mm. three months. There are probably a lot of people like that in Beijing as well. And I don't think we're counting those people. Mm. So I think the actual number is slightly bigger. There's another thing to add to all of this. And I don't know how applicable this is to Delhi and uh, Tokyo, et cetera. But here in China and in America, mm. I can guarantee in both of the two countries that I've lived in for a long time that this is true. A lot of the people that are here during the daytime mm. come from elsewhere. So maybe at night when everyone's asleep, the population is 21,333,000-ish. But actually, during the daytime, when everyone is conducting business, the population is probably exactly. a great deal more because people are bussing into the city from surrounding areas to work in New York and in Los Angeles and in and in Beijing and in Shanghai. And so, in, yeah. Yeah. And San Francisco, you know, the population of San Francisco is like 800,000. What? Which is actually a pretty small. Yeah, it's a tiny little town. I'm from there. I'm not trying to complain. I love you, <laughs> San Francisco. But... 
it, the population skyrockets during the day and, sky, and it's probably much higher than that during the nighttime, too, because of all of the tourists, because tourists love San Francisco. They pour into San Francisco. True. So, so, you know, sleeping at night are more than a million people, even though the actual population is only 800,000. But during the daytime, the population is probably like two million because of all the workers from like Oakland, yeah. and Daly City and South San Francisco and Richmond and... Berkeley and all the, these people that pour into the city mm. to work during the day in offices. And then I don't know how they get out BART, Bay Area Rapid Transit and all kinds of other means in the evenings when they go home. Yeah. So, yes, I do agree. But, but if we're going to say the real population of Beijing is higher, we also have to probably say that Sao Paulo and Mexican City, uh, sorry, Mexico City and Delhi are, and Tokyo are also actually much more populous because they probably have a similar phenomenon of people rushing into the city for work. Probably. I just think that in terms of uh, the actual scale, it's a lot larger here. Because <laughs> we think about people who commute in here from Tianjin, which my friends did. Mm, mm, mm. Um, and then uh, my other friends work in the, the beauty industry. There, A lot of their workers come in from, from Tianjin and then, uh, sorry, come in from Hebei. And then a lot of uh, tech workers who work in some places really far in the northwest in Beijing, mm. they commute from Hebei as well. And the commute wow. is a little crazy, but mm. they still do it because they're able to purchase a property close enough to Beijing, but it's outside of Beijing, so it's more affordable. Mm. And they just, they commute. And mm. that's a large number. I think if we go to where Beijing meets uh, Hebei or, you know, that couple of smaller cities that you've probably heard the names of if you live here long enough. Mm -hmm. If we go there, the amount of people that come in every morning and leave every night is probably way more than what you have imagined. Yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. So I wanted to ask because, you know, we've we've identified that Beijing is the fifth or sixth largest city mm. in the world. And we live in this wonderful city and we have, you know, a unique vantage point to discuss. Which is what are the advantages of living here? What why is it better <laughs> than living in Oakdale, California? Or where is it? I don't know in Dongbei exactly the name of the city you're from. But like, why is it? Why do you live here and not there? So I know I will say I will say for like a very selfish purpose, because Oakdale, California, I think is the home to one of my favorite podcasts. So if, <laughs> if I really did live there, hopefully that would be because of, you know, working for that podcast or you, we could you could record with me on Clean Feet. <laughs> you know? And also, I mean, if you're uh, if you live near your work, you could also walk San Francisco or I don't know, you're probably going to have to walk blocks and blocks and blocks mm. to get to some place. But in here, I live in a place I want to go to the grocery store, right? It's like if I walk southeast <laughs> or west or northeast, I can get to a, gro a grocery store in like one block. Yeah. So like one of the great things about a super intense urban area is there's stuff everywhere. Mm. Like my favorite coffee shop is on the third story of a place like around the corner. <laughs> and so, you know, you don't get that in, in, in other, a lot of other towns because they don't have third story anything. <laughs> so what's, yeah, you're standing <laughs> in downtown true. Beijing, you look up, there are restaurants for the next 20 floors, like 
You don't have to go on to the other side of the city. You can go into the same building and there's probably like 50 restaurants. You go to into one of these super malls in uh, yeah. in Beijing and, you know, you have your choice of 200 restaurants, the movie theater, an ice rink, like three different Starbucks, a Costa Coffee, two Luckins, every two floors of shopping for clothes. I mean, it's just I'm not exaggerating. There are like 100 malls that size in Beijing. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like the mall culture is so different. It's it's very unique in China. I mean, I didn't travel uh, too much. I've only been to Canada, mm-hmm. uh, the States. Um, I mean, the malls are more like a casual hangout, uh, hangout spot for people. Mm. And it's more spacious and it's not very... It's young, uh, very youth-oriented. Right? It's not like a place where you can go, your, your parents could go, your whole family could go, you could shop, you could watch movies, you could get just go get a coffee, and you could... Do some <laughs> weird VR experience, and then you could have a quick meal, like have some dessert. You could do everything in a mall here. And I know people are probably gonna say, "Oh, you could do that too in the United States," but it's just, it's just different. And I don't know how to quite put that into, mm. like, you know, into words because the malls here in Beijing and in Shanghai and in other big cities in China, and I guess we could discuss like other, you know, shopping or, mm. or just leisure experiences in, in other big cities outside of China. But in China, these bigger cities are kind of built around the mall. Like these malls are the mm. center of a huge circle. And then they become not just convenient for the residents living around them. They also become landmarks. You're listening to The Bridge. You know, I want to switch back to what you were talking to before, transportation, because I'm digesting this. I was thinking about San Francisco, mm. population roughly slightly less than a million. It has a big city kind of feel, but the difference between San Francisco, a city, and Beijing, a mega city, mm. is because there are so many people living in like 20-story buildings, 30-story buildings, the necessity of having public infrastructure, uh, public transportation infrastructure that is extremely high quality is that there's so much on the line. True. Like Beijing's population is like the same population as like four Malaysias, <laughs> the whole country. So the economy of Beijing is incredibly critical to the country, to the world, and to itself, to the surrounding provinces. Mm. So that if you look at the, a map of the subway of Beijing, it is like a bowl of noodles, a bowl of colored <laughs> noodles, right? But if you look at San Francisco, if, if I was on 19th Avenue standing in front of my old university, SFSU, go Gators, Ooh. then I would have to get on a bus to go to, say, like the Haight-Ashbury on, the, on 19th Avenue, mm-hmm. and it would take me maybe... 40 minutes to get there like going over hills and stopping (laughs) and going and you know it was nice i mean i didn't mind it or anything but you can't have that in 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 beijing you need if you want need to get to from this part of the city to that part of the city it needs to be fast it needs to be efficient so like whereas san San francisco has bay area rapid transit bart Mm. jetting through the city which goes south to daily city and goes to oakland across the bay like it only has one line through the city whereas you know beijing as i don't even know what 30 lines or something through the city so like because yeah, they're building more yeah, san francisco's economy is really important and stuff but it's not like the size of an entire nation 
you know, unless I don't know, you're talking about Montenegro or something like, I mean, a real nation. Sorry, Montenegrans. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Beijing is like gargantuanly important. So it and the economy can't just shut down or like make it slow. If you, you ha- everything has to be efficient. So if you want to get from. So, OK, we were we were here yesterday and we needed to go to Olympic Park. Mm. So we were able to get there in about 30 minutes, which is really far, actually, yeah. by taking three lines that coincided with one another. If I was just to take a taxi, that could take an hour and a half. It, and drive time mm. could take a couple hours. You, like you said, the ability to get around a megacity is much faster than people might imagine because it needs to be. Yeah, and the, the way that they have been sort of planning this whole thing is to make sure that the commute is going to be easier. Like, basically, they don't want people to, um, now that the Beijing government has moved to Tongzhou area, and then the central government still, uh, where it still, you know, where it is, and then a lot of the living facilities, all of these big mall circles are still where they are. They want to make sure that they're planning the road system and the public transportation system to make sure that wherever you're going, you're have you're gonna be able to have a a commute that is no longer than 45 minutes and that is written in the government doc and based on past experience it's going to happen it's going to be the case very soon that you're not going to be able to when you think about like traveling from Tongzhou all the way back to center the city center you're like oh my god it's going to be an hour and a half it's nope. one line it's going to be one. half that time yep yep well i'm here on the west side very far west side of beijing between the fourth and fifth ring on the west and the universal studio resort is in Tongzhou. the new universal yes. studio in the world here in beijing is in Tongzhou, way over there on the other side of the line i think it's the last stop if i were to get on line one right now because it's no trans there's no uh what is it called transfer yeah i can stay on that line i could be from this side to that side of the city which is i don't know 20 25 kilometers i'm just guessing definitely it's more far, it's, yeah. yeah it's more i would be able to get there in like 40 minutes yeah, and you get you get off the train, you're met with the giant universal globe sign, and you're at Universal. Well, I haven't been yet, but I'm definitely <gasps> going to go. I've only been here b- back in Beijing for six weeks, so... You need to go. It's going to... Well, you can still go when it's cold, because we went there, and it's... Oh, I guess this is another big uh, advantage of living in mega cities. You get all of these theme mm. parks at your doorstep. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Shanghai has Disneyland, and Beijing has Universal Studio, plus we have Happy Valley. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god and then all of the other the other cities that are on the list that we just talked about they except for new york new york doesn't have any like big theme parks <laughs> they can't afford it you're listening to the bridge This is a great opportunity to talk about what some of the cool stuff that's available in Beijing, because we're talking about a city that is, you know, the size of, I don't know, what is the population of San Francisco? Mm. One million. So we're talking about 20 San Francisco's, 22 San Francisco's yeah. all packed together. So <laughs> we have the zoo. We have a zoo. We have World Park, which a World Park is where they have like a, a copy of different famous places around the world. Mm-hmm. So there's like a, an Eiffel Tower and a Leaning Tower of Pisa, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so then you have the Happy Valley, which is like a roller coasters. And then you have another place like Happy Valley on the west side. Actually, it's near here. I've never been there. Yeah. But there's two of those theme parks. And then you have these super parks that are all as big as Golden Gate Park, but there's like 10 of them. Yeah. And then, and then you have the Universal Studio 
you have about a hundred museums, including the Palace Museum. Then you have, of course, the Great Wall and two different Olympics that have happened in Beijing, the double Olympic city. So you have the Olympic lawn and all the really cool stuff up there. There's so much more than that. That's not even half of the stuff that's in Beijing. I mean, in terms of the kinds of activities that you could do, it's just you have a pool of options that you could always choose from. Mm. And it's only a matter of what do you want to do, not what can you do. Exactly. (laughs) If if I'm in Modesto, California, where I spent a couple years in my teens before I moved to the Bay Area, Berkeley, and then eventually San Francisco, if I wanted to do something in Modesto, it was like, do you want to go to the park? Or do you want to go to the coffee shop? Or do you want to go to the the mall that's not that big? And that was pretty much That's it. it. That's everything. Yeah, that's everything. <laughs> and then like, or maybe there's a, there was a skate park, I remember, somewhere where you could go watch like kids skate. <laughs> to remind, remind that, you how old you are, how I couldn't do this. I wouldn't go do that. Well, I was their age. I just didn't do it because I wasn't brave. I was afraid my face would get skated off or something. You know, I don't know. But like, my point is like, if you wanted to do something, you needed to get in your car and drive to San Francisco, which was like like two hour drive away. So if you wanted to do something that wasn't as cool, sorry, I'm going to insult another whole group of people. You could drive one hour to Sacramento. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That is like us saying, oh no, I shouldn't do that. I mean, um... (laughs) well, I'm from California. I think I I have the right to say that Sacramento is not as interesting as San Francisco. Yeah. But I feel like I can't come up with a a similar analogy without sounding too privileged and judgy of someone who lives in a big city. Okay, then I'll, I'll say it for you. I had a friend, her name uh, won't be revealed, but she said she's, where's she from? She's from Foshan, Foshan, yeah. Guangzhou or Guangdong. It's next to Guangzhou. Yes, you got it. And she went, she always wanted to live in Beijing. So she got into a university in Tianjin <laughs> and she was, she always told me, I always Sorry. said, oh, Tianjin, that's, that's like 15 or 20 million people. That must have been amazing. And she was like, no. It wasn't as cool as Beijing. And she would always look disheartened when she talked about it. I I actually really (laughs) like Tianjin because Tianjin is closer to the ocean, which means there's Mm -hmm. a lot of seafood. Mm -hmm. There's a big river there. Right. And they they have a lot of seafood and they have really good breakfast food. And apparently they have really interesting architecture as well. Mm -hmm. And I went there Mm -hmm. just for very brief trips. And it is 30 minutes away, you know, on the bullet train. By fast train, yeah. But I just laughed because it's just... Just sounded really funny when you said someone's like, "Oh, I want to live in, I want to live in Beijing." So I went to school in Tianjin. <laughs> See, she on the map, it's like they're like they're so close, right next to each other. Yeah, yeah but it's so, it's so different. It's very different. It's like, oh, I want to live yeah. in New York, so I went, so I went to school in White Plains. You know, it's <laughs> it's not that there's not anything wrong with White Plains, but it's a little too far from New York to actually make you feel like you're living there. And I feel like when we're talking about living in the big cities, visiting mm-hmm. big cities, mm-hmm. it's so much different. Like you don't really get the the feeling or the whole picture or what's so great about living in big cities unless you really live there. I have a list from, this is going to seem strange, but it's also really logical. This is from agentbulletin.com. This is a website for people who sell real estate Mm. and and help people find places to rent for them to have bullet points for their clients to convince them to live in a large city in America. So on it, it is 26 <laughs> benefits of city living. So this is for, you know, them to convince people to live in the city so that they can Let's see. close. What is it? Always be always a B close uh, B C closing. 
always be closing. It's from a movie. Um, <laughs> so many housing options, number one. So, yeah, you could live in, and if, I, if I'm in Beijing and I am not well to do, there are living situations where I could live in a bedroom or something and pay like 2000 RMB versus you could have like a huge three story place <laughs> penthouse with All your own yourself. like swimming pool. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a range of options. Yeah. I mean, that is something that a lot of people are like, oh, that's not true. If you live in big cities, you're paying a lot for rent. But if you're willing to travel or if you just look, if you have more patience and look at different places, even in the same area, you'll be able to find something that really gives you more on the dollar. And um, apparently, if you are, if you like me, can drive, <laughs> and you're willing to drive, and if you're renting a big yard or house or whatever in Huayro, which is a little bit out of the city but it's mm. still Beijing, I think you pay like three thousand for a couple months or something, and you get a a house. Wow, a house with a yard. Yeah. Yes, wow. and a patio. Wow. You just have to look and know the right people. And then even if we, we're talking, even if we're not talking about these extreme cases, even if you just want to pay, for example, three thousand kwai for an entire apartment, oh, we should say just, how much that is. It's about four or five hundred dollars. Yes. Go so like, five, yeah, four or five. Yeah, exactly. And you want a, an apartment to yourself. You just you will just be living a little bit farther away from city center. But like we formerly just discussed, the public transportation system is the subway surprisingly reaches out really far in the countryside. Actually, the fun, there's the function line that I have never thought of taking. It is it goes all the way out it's like i feel like i should just do that and then just make myself uh feel like i'm going on a trip hmm. somewhere else you're listening to the bridge We're going to skip two, three, and four. I'm just going to read them off because we already did. Proximity to public transportation. You can give up your car, shorter com commutes. We've already covered that. And five, amenities everywhere. I think we've covered that too. Now, number six mm. is something we haven't quite covered, but it is really true of different cities. and depends on the city. You're going to get different ones, but events and cultural activities. So, yes. like, if you want to see stand-up comedy, Alex's performances, <laughs> there you go. You, you got that. Yes, come and give me some beer money. <laughs> But you also have you you blues bands. What is it called? Blue Note? Is that the name of the bar? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Blue Note is if you're like a big jazz lover or if you just are more in tune with what's going on in the music scene, classical mm. uh, music, meet, meeting, pop music, whatever. If you're into that scene, because Blue Note is a franchise, right? Blue Note is this place that anywhere there is a Blue Note, you know you're going to get the best performance mm. of jazz music or mm. Mostly jazz because it's known, uh, it started as a really famous jazz bar. It's kind of like, you know, if you go to a hard rock cafe kind of thing, like the type of music that you will be able to see. Well, I actually mm, have never mm, been mm. to a hard rock cafe to see any performances. So I, I went can't to really... the one in Los Angeles. It was, it was really cool. Do you know there's one yeah. in Tianjin? I did not know. See, there's some amazing <laughs> Tianjin. Come to Tianjin. Your life will be changed. I know. There 
there's one. Uh, we had breakfast there. They have a Hard Rock Cafe in Tianjin. There really? is. It's a real Hard Rock. A legit, hard rock. a legit yes, one. Yes, it is. Wow, that's awesome. I didn't expect that either. And we didn't. We went in the morning, so I, I wasn't. I'm not sure whether they have like actual performances. That go. But I mean, I want to kind of cover uh, more quicker. Uh, so there's Blue Note. There's Modernista, which is live music most most of the time. I guess <laughs> yes. at least half of the nights. And you have this is I don't even know this is your field, but there must be like 20 places with live music every night in Beijing, especially yeah. Friday nights where there's like, I don't know, 50 things going on all at the same time. And then we have in the Wukasong place, West Beijing, you have the giant uh, Wukasong Stadium. The, I think it's called so the, the Cadillac, Master Cadillac, oh. Cadillac, a Cadillac Stadium or Cadillac. Oh, stadium changed name so many times. Yeah. It's yeah so it, it, you can go there and see live music. That's to- world tours kind of stuff. You two, you know, that kind of huge bands. I guess Backstreet Boys went there. One of my friends was like, oh, Backstreet. I don't know. Oh, I, I would faint. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's Backstreet Boys, under- Jason. But they from like 1985. What is going on? It doesn't They, they got to be in their 60s or something. But they're not in their 60s. They're still, you know. When I, in 1985, <laughs> I was seven years old, and these guys were like in their 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 late teens, you know, with their shirts off. They, so they I'm I'm 45. <laughs> they're 60 years old. Okay, maybe they just look really great for 60 year olds. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> Wider job opportunities. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yes. So you're in a small town. There are a lot of jobs that simply don't exist that are going to exist. You can't. Pro- you probably can't work in like film. From a small town, but yeah. in Beijing, you could work on a TV show. There's all kinds of things. Big cities, you're in Tokyo, you're in Shanghai, you're in Beijing, you're in New York. You can do that you can't do in a small town. That's just true. Yeah. Less time spent on home maintenance. You know, you, li- I mean, maybe. <laughs> There's no. You, well, you're talking about Huayro that you can live in a house. Yeah, I guess you're going to have home maintenance. But if you're living in downtown, in my apartment, yeah, I don't have a yard. So Yeah, everything <laughs> else about upkeeping of the courtyard, a public space is all taken care of by the property management company. So. You're listening to The Bridge. And uh, number nine is interesting. I actually had never thought of it. It is another benefit of smaller square footage is lower utility bills. That's true. So if you're out, yeah, you have like a 2,500 square Mm. foot home with three bedrooms, two living rooms, a kitchen, etc. Heating and cooling, that is not a a small deal, literally. And if you're living in an apartment in downtown and you have a two bedroom apartment or whatever, each of those rooms is going to firstly be smaller. And then your living room stuff is going to be smaller. Your ceilings might be a little lower, like a foot lower too. So heating and cooling, it's going to be like... Yeah, definitely. I guess never thought about how much energy that it would take to run an entire house here's another thing your utilities may be more reliable and this i think this is true if you live in the countryside and like i don't know a tree falls on the the electrical line it could be hours could be a day before like a truck comes out and like they fix the line whereas like if you're in a major city the power goes out that's it's not a small thing there's like a million people with the power out all of a sudden they're gonna fix that immediately (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're probably not going to have a power outage for too long. I We just watched this re- this movie and the, there's a scene in there 
this mother and daughter living in a really small, really small town, mm. the, the place where there's no neighbors that you could just call out to. Mm. And it was in the middle of a really crazy storm and mm. their breaker box, um, they lost their power and she had to check the breaker box and the breaker didn't work. And then I was like, oh my God, the sense of <laughs> helplessness I felt for her at the moment. I was like, I will never, I'll probably never put myself in that situation. Wow. <laughs> Feels too strange. That also sounds like the beginning of a scary movie. <laughs> I've never actually, I've only one time, I, sh- I should say, experienced a power out that wasn't my fault. What I mean is... I so usually it, it is your fault? Yes. I've had some <laughs> power outages where I didn't pay the electricity bill in Beijing, where the power Same. just turned off. And I was like, oh, I'm stupid. Knew I should have put some more money on that. I did that too, actually. We have it automatically <laughs> top up now. So it a- yeah. auto tops up off of our card or whatever. So we never have yeah. that anymore. But there was only one in 10 years living in, in China. There was mm. one time in Beijing where there was a power out that affected me that was like, oh, what happened? And that was like 10 minutes or something. Yeah, we <laughs> we we just had a quick, funny story. We just had a very unusual experience. Our building had to go through some uh, maintenance, mm. the entire compound. And so they put out a notice like two weeks before saying that on this day in the early morning of this day, we're going to have three hours of power outage, Mm. but it'll be from like 1 a.m. to 4 a.m., you know, so that it doesn't affect anyone, at least not too much. Mm. And then after 4 a.m., it'll it'll resume. And I keep thinking, oh, that day, that is Thursday. So Thursday night, I'm not going to go out. I'm going to make sure that Thursday night I'm not doing anything crazy so I can be home early. Mm. And then we were like, uh, we had a, we went to a goodbye party of a friend on Wednesday. And then we got on the cab at 1 a.m. It was, it was late, but we were having a really good time. The cab pulls up to the compound and my boyfriend goes, Oh wow, the buildings look really dark. <laughs> look up, there's no light on in the entire compound. And then I go, Oh, stupid Alex, early this, morning yeah. Thursday means now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we live on the 18th floor. So, so the elevator, had no... you had to take the stairs up 18 Yes, the elevator was floors. up. Because the compound was so nice. The compound made sure people knew the elevator was going to be out. They were like, this, 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 this. All of these items are all going to be off for three hours, including the elevators. Please make sure that you're, you know, prepared for this. And that note was out for like almost two weeks. And my smart brain just goes, oh, I'm okay with this. We ended up taking 18 flights of stairs. Great workout. I will tell you that. <laughs> I'm sure 18 floors is not. Yeah, I actually tried to do that once. I think I did. I was like, oh, I'm going to go look. I want to do mountain climbing. I'm going to walk to my floor four times a day. And I did it once. And it was like, I don't know, very high. It was similar to what you're saying. And I think I did make it. And I, but at the end of it, I was like, yeah, I'm never doing that again. Not again. <laughs> that was the one time I will ever do that because this, that was excruciating. Yeah. So I'm sorry about that. That sounds terrible. <laughs> um, okay. So some of these are redundant. No lawn to care for is kind of same as, uh, you know, like. Maintenance. Said, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Ma- maintenance. Condo living is an option. I would say it's almost required. Yeah. Diversity is definitely true. You move to a big city, you know, I, we, we all, I always mention Indian food, but there's like every kind of food. There's Malaysian food, Indian food, Singaporean food. Yes. Uh, and in and, and San Francisco, too. I think a lot, you know, big cities have this kind of this thing. But, you know, super big cities are definitely going to have redundant options. <laughs> uh, now. Networking, which is, I think, something you're probably better at than me. You seem to know everyone yes. in the city. So you can meet lots of people from lots of different industries, from lots of different yeah. backgrounds and cultures and countries. And 
So uh, career advancement is also true. So you, if you live in a small town and you work at a Walgreens, I guess the best option is becoming assistant manager someday. But if you work assistant in, to the regional manager, okay, yeah, the office, yeah, yeah. So um, I had to bring it up. But if you if you Sorry. if you work here, you, I mean, a big city, you can work for a giant company, and you have all kinds of upwardly mobile options, or you could switch, you know from one department to another department and all kinds of mm. really cool stuff. Um, the shopping and restaurants we talked. Healthier lifestyle options. I was wondering, people are going to call us out for this. Because... I know. <laughs> I think yes and no. I mean, think if you're in the countryside or you're in a rural or, or, you know, suburbs or whatever versus you're living in the city, you could be healthy in both places. Is it jogging just you could do that anywhere? Yeah, I think a lot of this is because, for example, the water that we consume in the city is probably more processed than, you know, what people use in smaller mm. cities or in the countryside. Mm. And I also, it just, because of markets, that the products that they get are probably not as high quality as, you know, the supply for bigger cities because they really want to, you know, businesses want to appeal to large populations. So they'll probably do that as well. And also, I think this actually ties a lot to um, how convenient it is for people to get medical help nutrition you know oh you know. yeah the best hospitals are in big yeah cities. so that's, that's the thing true. and that probably like sometimes if it's a little infection if it doesn't get treated properly in time mm. it could become something even fatal but in bigger cities you could then you could become venom they're just <laughs> that would be cool <laughs> it would not be cool it's gross he's eating people's heads <laughs> off i don't want to be digesting someone's head <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just, you know, his voice sounds cool. Hi, Jason. I can't do it. <clears throat> that hurt my throat. Um, but I think, and then, you know, a lot of nutrition, um, nutritious mm. options when it comes to diets that you could take. Like, for example, if you just have higher blood pressure, it, you probably mm. have more options to take on different um, diets. And it's it's an easier access to get whatever ingredients yeah, that you're going to yeah. use. I think so many good points there that you just pulled out of your magic hat like a rabbit. I wanted to add one thing, you <laughs> okay. know, the where water is like all flammable and disgusting and undrinkable in like a place like Flint, Michigan. Oh, my God. If that happened in a city like Chicago, they would make it get fixed because there would be like, you know, more than 10 million people demanding action. It wouldn't even be overlooked in the first place. It would place. be fixed. So, yeah. So if you live in a small town where your political power might be really weak in America and something like that happens, you could end up 10 years later, like now, where it's still not being fixed, like now. But if you live in a giant city, you're, the interests of that city are so paramount because there are so many of you that it's, yeah. go, it's gonna get handled yeah and that's just that kind of an unfortunate truth when it comes to flint because i remember reading the news and watching social media about it when i was in the states it happened when i was there and it was just so it's crazy to think about that a whole generation of the residents in that city is basically damaged you're listening to the bridge Um, this is one that is interesting because it doesn't affect us. So it says higher credit scores. In China, we don't have the same kind of credit scores oh. as they have in America. So this is not that applicable. Yeah, it's very like different. Here, when you have a higher – a credit score is related to your credit. So you actually take a loan. You pay it back or not. That's going to be your credit. But in America, it's like – 
you know, how old are you and like how long have you had your job and like yeah. what kind of diet do you have? And like everything <laughs> is going to affect your credit and it's insane. Whereas like in China, it's like, oh, you paid on your loan correctly. Okay, wow. good for you. Let's give you another <laughs> loan you seem to want. Like it's totally not the same. America's credit score stuff is like. It's very scary. It is. Yeah. So that doesn't affect us. And so, OK, well, let's move on. <laughs> it says more flight options. This is so true because you have T1 and T2 and T3. Yes. And you have and the Dashing have, Airport. And you have the Dashing Airport. And you know what? I lived here many years and I discovered another airport in Hydean. So there's an airport right in the middle of Hydean because I was walking around. Yeah, I was just walking around the university area and I saw an airplane like land. I was like, I mean, I didn't see it land, but I saw it go down into where I thought the middle of the city. And I was like, (laughs) did that just land like on the street? What? And apparently there's a tiny little airport there. So like, okay, Modesto, California, I want to use them as an example. again. (laughs) They have an airport. So good for them. That is like a dusty place in the countryside where like a a propeller airplane takes off and goes to Sacramento kind of airport. Whereas like here in Beijing, I could go to pretty much anywhere in the entire yeah. world right from here. I mean, it's uh, yeah. it's just easier for traveling. Yeah. So uh, reliable deliveries. We talked about this in another episode with Kira Hopkins, mm-hmm. where we talk about like she lives kind of out in the middle of nowhere. If she wants to get Indian food, it's probably <laughs> off of the table. <laughs> but here in Beijing, you can get whatever you want and you can get it fast. We were, actually, I want to tell you something my, about my um, green card. Yes, please. I couldn't pick it up because we applied for it in Wuhan. Mm-hmm. So my wife's mother, my mother-in-law, graciously decided to go from Yantai Shandong to Wuhan to pick it up for me. Because wow. we, gave, we, we gave them authorization to have a relative pick it up. And they said, OK. So yeah. she picked it up and dropped it in the mail. And it arrived in Beijing less than 24 hours later. So one major city to another major city in a huge country like China. And it took less than 24 hours to deliver that. That is very impressive. I'm I'm pretty sure that's because I've been asking friends who are leaving or people who are leaving. I'm just asking, do you think, can you foresee yourself having a reverse cultural shock? And they're like, yes, the delivery speed is Mm. definitely going to be a huge hit (laughs) on my lifestyle. Yeah. Well, you know, the very last thing we're we're running out of Mm. time, but is freebies. (laughs) No, I know. I know. This is a strange word, but it's true. Like here in Beijing or, you know, Tokyo or wherever, you can go to all kinds of things where they're doing promotional events and you can get free meals, free clothes, free entertainment. There's all kinds of public parks that don't cost anything to go to. So you have all kinds of amazing opportunities in a large city to just go and do free stuff. Yeah, and go to a big supermarket and do all of the try out little bites and you (laughs) save money on dinner. Wow. You know, I'm always the person that says no to those free bite things. Why? Because I'm scared. Why are they trying? How long has that been sitting on that trade? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not too long because I assure you there are a lot more people like me that'll just grab the free food and make sure they're not left on the tray for too long. Mm. So last question for you, Alex, specifically. Yes. Why? Why Beijing? Why not Shanghai? Why not another city? What is the what is so remarkable about this beautiful city that keeps you here? Beijing for me is like a person that comes from Z and got to 100 but kept every bit that he he or she had in the process okay you're gonna have to break your analogy down <laughs> <It's>, a little <laughs> i mean i i it, when i first moved here it was because of my parents job mm-hmm. i didn't have a choice i didn't choose beijing but mm. after living here for many years after living in other big cities in other parts of the world coming back and visiting shanghai staying in shanghai coming back 
I just feel like Beijing has this very unique, mm, mm. very greedy nature where you still see the very primitive part of very primitive form of life mixed with these really advanced technologies, important financial business meetings that are happening really anywhere. And it's mm. all mixed together. I, for lack of a better word, I feel like Beijing is really it's not segregated. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, it's every part of it being together. Like you go to any part, there's going to be some fancy stuff and there's going to be some mm. really down to earth businesses that cater to very local people. But then you see, <laughs> um, people driving Ferrari, going to a mm. barbecue shop. Um, it just, just things mm. like that. And I, I'm very comfortable in that mixture. And I'm actually the most comfortable when I'm in Beijing. I'm not as comfortable in Shanghai. I feel like I need to always dress up when I walk on Shanghai streets. Mm, um, very yeah, fashion. And I city. feel like I just need to carry myself very differently. And so Beijing is just speaks to mm. my very core of existence, I guess. That's why I like it. Mm. You know, actually, I came here for Dakuza. That's it. Dakucha. The big pants. <laughs> Dakuza. Dakucha. I came here for Dakucha. The reason I that's it. I can't I saw it in a book and I was like, oh, there's no way this is real. But it is. This is like from a sci-fi movie about like the year 3000. And I was like, I have to see this. So I moved to Beijing for that building the, for the CCTV tower. And then I got here and I was just like, wow, <laughs> that is so cool. It is. It is real. It, and is. it is real. Yeah. Anyways, we are out of time. Uh, we are a show that connects East and West. Please join us next time. Thank you so much for your time, Alex. Thank you, Jason. We'll see you all next time.